Welcome to the fourth interview episode of the Non-Binary Body Image Project, a podcast for trans and non-binary folks to talk about how we feed ourselves and how we see ourselves. I am your host, Nika Salvaggio. Once again, I find myself in a place where it is difficult to produce content in any sort of structured or linear way. Blame it on my ADHD, blame it on being overwhelmed, blame it on being perfectionistic and wanting to feel in control. Either way, the long silence hasn't been because I don't have more interviews to share with you. Quite the opposite, actually. I've been sitting on conversations that were recorded months ago, unable to put them out into the universe. Maybe from fear, or maybe from simply and unapologetically needing rest, and stillness. And because I've been opening myself to love, to life, to food, and investing more in my need for authenticity rather than orchestrating some grand performance. I heard someone say recently that you cannot force a fruit to ripen, and you cannot predict when the sweetness will fall from branch to root Making art is kind of like that for me. Recovery is like that too. Discipline seems to kill what I'm trying to create. All that to say, after these many long months of continuing to focus on nurturing and nourishing my body and spirit and my eating disorder recovery, I do feel ready to be heard and seen again. In the time I've been away, I've reached new milestones and felt new lows. It felt so good to listen to and edit the interview you're about to hear with Ash Kennan as a mirror for how far I have come. For example, when this conversation was recorded way back in March, I was still a half a pack a day cigarette smoker. Now I can tell you that it has been 107 days since I lit up tobacco. When this conversation was recorded way back in March, I hadn't yet met my now partner in person. I hadn't yet let myself open to a beautiful connection. When this conversation was recorded way back in March, I hadn't yet finished weight restoring. And now I can tell you that for the first time in the five years since I watched my birth mother die, my body is at the weight it was before grief took over and whittled me away. And all of that sounds beautiful and joyful and reserved for someone who is no longer broken. But that's not the whole story. I've also had days where I hate my body. I've had days where I've skipped meals. I've had days where food still felt like the enemy and my mind told me I didn't deserve to eat or take up space. I've had days where I've wanted to crawl out of the curves that mark me as culturally feminine. I've had days where I don't have the energy to correct people and advocate for my right to have my pronouns respected. I've collapsed, I've folded, I've spent entire days just simply breathing in my bed. And this is the truth of recovery for me. I am weight restored, I am stable. I love my body. I love myself. I am weight restored. I'm angry. My eating disorder feels disgusted. I'm scared of losing control and trusting. I'm afraid that being in recovery 
means losing the body that spoke of my loss. And all of that is okay. It's all welcome. It's all a part of the process. It only matters that I keep going, one bite at a time, one day at a time, one cigarette not smoked at a time, one vulnerable conversation at a time. So, without further ado, I would like to introduce the next guest of the Non-Binary Body Image Project, Ash Kennan. Ash Kennan is a non-binary activist, artist, and SAG-E actor. Ash uses every and any platform to spread laughter, joy, and awareness. Ever since they were assaulted in 2013, which resulted in a pregnancy that they chose to keep, Ash has been determined to tell their story, to let others know that they're not alone, and to bring light to a very serious problem in today's society. In the future, Ash hopes to write a tell-all book that will give others hope and the healing steps necessary to navigate all kinds of trauma. Until then, they are focusing on being the best parent and overall person they can be, as well as acting and working on productions, bringing more non-binary representation to sets and TV screens. In this episode, you'll hear Ash and I discuss the role of early childhood sexual trauma in the formation of body image struggles. How to use psychedelics to help heal trauma, the impact of race and intersectional identities on body image, the importance of consent in healthy relationships, and how to use creativity to foster self-love. Because we talk about some very tender topics, there are several content warnings for today's episode. You'll hear about sexual trauma and the mention of abortion at minutes 10 and 15 after this intro, and a story about Ash confronting their abuser at minute 45. Additional content warnings include a conversation about Ash's experience with blackness and racial trauma at 22 minutes. As always, I invite you to take care of yourself while listening to this episode if you are sensitive to any of these topics. Maybe you fast forward through these parts, or maybe you listen with someone who can support you while you listen. Ash's story is incredibly powerful if you feel equipped to hold it today. Lastly, before we dive into this interview, I would like to extend a thank you to Jai Meyer, the artist of the logo for the Non-Binary Body Image Project, and Kurt Rivandera for composing the intro music. Additionally, I would like to thank and acknowledge the Aina and the Kanaka people of the Hawaiian Kingdom as this interview was recorded on their unceded and stolen land, as well as the unceded and stolen land of the Tongva people, also known as Los Angeles. And now finally, let's all take a deep breath as we prepare ourselves to listen to the beautiful being that is Ash Kennan. Thanks for tuning in today. My name is Nika Salvaggio, and I'm sitting here today with the beautiful non-binary artist, Ash. I met them doing a poetry reading for This Is Jane Project last year in 2020. Um, that was nuts. I think that was in May of last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and I was just really struck by their poetry and really wanted to um, 
reach out to them for this project because uh, of their artistry and their way of being in the world. So thank you for joining me today, Ash. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you doing this whole entire thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, me too. I just feel like it's so important. Um, but because you say that, that's actually a really great segue into what we're talking about. What is it about when I like proposed this podcast to you, this project idea to you? What is it about it that caught your attention? Why are you interested? The struggle with body image and self-acceptance is something that I've had trouble with since I was like six and a half years old. Um, I could say the earliest stages would be four, but six and a half yeah. for sure. And I, when I saw the, like, I read the questions and stuff, I'm like, this is stuff I've wanted to talk about, you know, stuff I've been thinking about, but you know, you don't always get the courage to say out loud to people if you're not feeling comfortable in certain settings. So I'm thinking like, yo, if I put myself out there, I'm sure there's others who can identify with this, you know, and um, hopefully we can get some kind of find some understanding within our own stories and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, how many of us are just sitting out there alone dealing with these issues by ourselves, feeling isolated? Exactly. And during this time, like, especially like with the whole corona and quarantining, like, you feel so isolated even more because you have to isolate yourself away from society, the people you live with. It is terrible. So you can't connect with anyone right now, except for, you know, like this via social right. media and stuff. And um, you find those outlets those little communities, those little niche communities that can like help you guide you along through this journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a thing. One of the beautiful thing that's come out of this time is um, people's like increased willingness to connect with each other in virtual ways. And I've been super resistant to that because I like, I'm not good with technology. <laughs> I'm an artist. I'm like, I don't even know how to really use my iPad. I don't know how I'm putting together a podcast <laughs> using my phone. Somehow we're doing it. Um, but yeah, I think it's been really special, even though it's been so hard. Um, and being forced to sit alone inside with myself for so much of this year, so much of um, in my own recovery with food and body image and gender, I, I feel like I came into myself in my gender identity so much more because I didn't have that outside influence. Mm, there you go. Self-awareness. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just like dive right in. The first question that I have been asking most folks and that I um, sent to you is how do you define body image? Because that means so many different things to so many different people. When I think of body image, I'm thinking of like, how sexy I feel when I look at myself in the mirror. I'm literally mm -hmm. thinking of, can I look at myself butt naked in the mirror and be like, yes, I will hit that. Yes, you look amazing. You know, and sometimes I look in the mirror and I'll be like, yeah, dang, I look good. I forget to look in the mirror sometimes and be like, yeah, okay, loving it. And uh -huh. other times, you know, I have looked in the mirror before and I've said, oh, I wish there was, I wish it could be a little more of this or do a little more of that or look a little more like this or that, you know, I've, I've experienced body dysmorphia before. And mm -hmm. during those times, I felt more of a depression, more of a negative feeling towards my self image. But the more I came to reflect upon myself and like learn to love myself from mm -hmm. the inside out, it started to feel better. Like, you know, looking in the mirror started to being, it was more of like a, 
encouragement or like loving yourself it's like a whole nother level of loving yourself when you genuinely feel it you know it's not you just like trying to force it you know and just saying a mantra in the mirror or something you know you're literally like feeling like yourself and you loving yourself you're like oh my gosh dude my skin is so beautiful oh my gosh dude when I put on shea butter it glows like the sun <laughs> I'm like just like yeah so I'm in I'm in that space now thank god you know for having that time being forced into this time of self-reflection and having to go into yourself and just really dig deep because when it comes to that inner work it's not easy no one no one knows this but like it's hella hard it's super dirty and muddy <laughs> and once you come it's out so muddy oh my god it's going yes. into the pit yes <laughs> you know you know fam so this is why this is why it's so important to get these kind of things going you know totally something you said really sparked my interest because um i feel that i've been on a similar journey in you know my sense of body image used to really be tied to that reflection that i saw in the mirror what my body shape was what my body size was how things are distributed how my curves or lack thereof influence my gender and I think in our culture, especially in diet culture, which, you know, is so intense in this world, um, we're fed this story that if we fix the outside, uh, quote unquote, outside issues, like, oh, if this was just a little bit, whatever, mm -hmm. then we'll reach happiness. Like we're sold this idea that our external appearance, if we fix that, then we will fix our insides. Like we'll feel better. But what you said was, yeah, you're shaking your head. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm It was like, quite no. the opposite. Like I didn't mm -hmm. hear you say that you had to manipulate your body in order to feel good, that it actually started with that self-love. So can you expand on that? Like we talk about self-love so much and it sounds like such an easy thing to say, like, oh, just love yourself more. But like you say, it's shitty and it's hard and it's, mm -hmm. you have to like sift through the muck. So like, how did you do that, Ash? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, okay? Um, so it started with like, okay, am I allowed, am I free to speak here? Cause like you I have- free to speak. Okay, this is what happened. So here's, here's no judgments. It's a, it's, a, it's a free zone. I'm gonna just be up and be open and honest here. So when I was like, I think I was 20, this is 2017 that we're talking here. So I think I was 23, 24. Don't quote me on that. And at that time, I was really like just feeling so down, so depressed, so like just like overwhelmed with life. And I wasn't happy with myself. I couldn't figure out where to find my happiness again. So mm -hmm. I started researching, like, how do people become happy again? How do people... And some of the things I saw were like micro dosing and like things like uh, mushrooms, natural psychedelics. Um, I don't believe in putting chemicals in my body, like man-made chemicals, but I do believe in holistic mm -hmm. healing. So with that being said, and my, my Nana is like half Blackfoot, Native American, so she's always been about that life. I tried um, micro dosing, <laughs> I tried some mushrooms. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. I did a, a try to trip to kind of dig deep and open up the inner wombs that I wasn't really um, exposing myself. I wasn't, I was kind of like, I had a band-aid over these wombs mm -hmm. that were like hidden within me from childhood trauma. 
and you know how you kind of just put a sheet over your eyes and to keep going a veil that keeps you going and i had to uplift that veil and it took me <laughs> taking that one dose like of mushrooms i haven't tripped since then because it was just the most craziest mind-blowing experience i didn't need to do it again what so what i did was I, my roommate left for the day. She she knew what I was doing. She knew what I was up to. She's like, hey, enjoy yourself. Have a good time, kid. I'll check in on you, kind of. <laughs> and I just- I on. love listening to your roommate's voice sound like that. <laughs> well, she doesn't really sound like, she was actually like, her name's Leilani. She was really cute and petite, but like, Amazing. she's just like, uh, you know, I, love, I loved her. Um, yeah. Had to give a little spice to it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> what happened was I opened up all the lights in the room I turned off all electricity, like except for the music I was playing. It was like really mm -hmm. calmy, chill vibes. And my roommate's cat Diesel was there. So Diesel, by the way, amazing animal. I tell you what happened. I, I tried, what, what I did was I made a, a tonic and I mixed it with lemon juice. So I just squeezed some lemon, grinded up the mushroom and I just took it as a shot. And mm. within 15 minutes, it kicked in. So before that, kicking of in, I lay down on a yoga mat and I closed my eyes with the music going and I just allowed the sun to, to enter the room and stuff. When I tell you, I opened my eyes and there was a rainbow on the ceiling. <laughs> there was a rainbow river on the ceiling. The cat Diesel had climbed up on my chest and laid up like right here face to face with me and he like it felt like I could understand what he was saying without him saying it it was crazy okay almost like telepathy it, mm -hmm. I sensed him saying are you okay <laughs> and I'm like I'm chill diesel thanks thanks man I'm cool and then he gets up and leaves and I'm like oh shit did I really just understand what this cat said <laughs> and yes from there I was like maybe I should start asking like the universe who I believe is God, God is the universe and everything. I should start asking the universe questions. I should ask mm -hmm. God questions to get answers. <laughs> cause I, my mind is closed on the daily, you know, cause of trying to just make it and- Survival. I, basically, I started asking questions because these are answers I couldn't get from anyone else. So I was molested when I was like six and a half by a cousin who I looked up to as like a big brother. And I asked God, I'm like, why did that happen to me? And then my inner child, it was like my inner child starts crying. And it's just like, I feel myself like coming to with my inner child and just like, why did that happen to me? I was so innocent. I was so young. I was so loving then. And from then on, I remember shutting down, having my guard up, having these walls up, not wanting to connect with people anymore, pushing people away on purpose so they wouldn't get too close. And that is part of what I was coming to in the lesson of that trip was like, it's not your fault. It was never your fault. In fact, people make choices, you know, and whether or not they know it, those choices can affect other people. And they didn't know that that choice was going to hurt you and haunt you for into your adulthood. They didn't know that. And so you have to learn how to forgive them and let that part go and just like basically pray that they get healed on their own, but work on you because you are the only one that can heal yourself. And that's what I got from that was like, whoa, whoa, you know? And then it was like, 
you're not alone. There are so many people who have been through so many traumatic things who, who wanted the same thing, but they still have an open heart and they still use love as their weapon of choice instead of revenge, you know? And that was like, so I took that in. That day from that trip, I did some beautiful mind shit. <laughs> wow. Y'all can't see me, but what I'm experiencing in my body is um, deep resonance. I feel my inner child coming up and like wanting to reach out towards your inner child and hold their hand and just be like, yes, I feel this so deeply and firmly in my soul and in my body that this, um, you know, forgiveness is a hard topic. It's mm -hmm. a hard state of being. It's not a place to achieve. It's not a goal, like a end line, a goal. It is a practice. It is a choice. <laughs> so true. Oh my God. And it's, it's not for everyone in their healing journey. Like, I think it's dangerous to say like the only path forward is forgiveness, but in your story, that feels so potent and powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm remembering at the beginning of this conversation that you said that you started to struggle with body image around that same age that that experience happened six, mm -hmm. six and a half. Yeah. Yep. So, wow. Yeah. And then also the psychedelic piece that is extraordinary. Um, no judgment here. <laughs> I have partaken in mushrooms myself, um, and had similar experiences. Um, yeah, I really believe in psychedelic assisted therapy. It's like, it's the wave of the future. It's, it's so, it's such potent medicine, but, yeah. um, anyway, all that to say, healing your body image came from getting out of your own body's way. Like your inner child came up during that trip because you weren't blocking them mm -hmm. anymore. Oh my gosh. I, I felt so free when I <sighs> cried. It was almost like a releasing of years and years of this toxic kind of grudge holding. You know, like when you hold things in for so long, it becomes like poison to you, to your body, mm -hmm. your spirit, your mind. And I feel like since that day, all that poison like has been seeping away, just leaving my body. And it felt so powerful. Yeah. You feel powerful right now <laughs> as you're saying that, like your body is, yeah, you're here. Wow. Thank you. Thank you I, so much. I appreciate that. That lets me know that I have been doing some work. <laughs> You have, yeah, you have, you've got a presence here. Um, wow. So, you know, sexual trauma, um, always, I shouldn't say always, but often correlates to body image struggles. Like so many people who develop eating disorders often have some sort of trauma history. Like they're one in the same, they're not different. Um, all that to say though, how does that connect to your gender experience for you? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a real good one to me because from the sexual trauma I experienced, because not only was I molested, I was sexually assaulted when I was 20 years old and it resulted in a pregnancy, which I kept. Um, very wow. difficult time, postpartum was really hard to come out of. But because of that situation, even before that, right before the assault even, I was dressing more masculine presenting 
than mm-hmm. I was feminine presenting. And that's because I think I was dating someone who was like super feminine. And I was in Texas at the time, which the gay community out there, it is more like, I, I guess it has opened up since. I would say it has opened up since. I don't want to put too much on them. But at that mm-hmm. time, it seemed more binary. Like you had to be a stud and a fam. And you know what I mean? There, there was- Right. And I was just like that question mark that was like right in the middle. And people were like, what are you? Kind <laughs> of pick a lane. So I had chosen to be more masculine presenting so that they would understand I am, you know, gay, basically, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But even with that, I still got hit on by men, by cis men. And it really infuriated me because I'm like, no matter how I dress, no matter how I walk, talk, look, they will still come at you. And it's just like a thing of, well, what is it about me? Like, I, I can't change the way I look, you know, right. anymore than I already have. So I felt like, you know, I thought that dressing more masculine presenting after, you know, being assaulted and stuff, but it would essentially hoard off any predators right but it didn't you know and so I think that just comes back down to respect for human beings respecting other humans and now I dress how I feel I I I dress more masculine presenting on a regular but it's a mixture Mm -hmm. of just really comfortable clothes I just find more comfortable clothes in the men's section okay it's true (laughs) men's pants have better pockets they do it's not fair (laughs) it's not fair my favorite sweatpants I own are men's sweatpants from Target (laughs) they're so great like you find those rare buys and it's just like what is this (laughs) yep yep yeah that's so interesting I relate to that a lot as well um I talked about this in the first episode when I shared my story that um there was a part of me that believed if I erased any feminine aspects of my body then I would be less likely to be hit on or assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I think it's really important that we're talking about this because I imagine if both of us felt that way, then there yeah. are other folks who are feeling that way. Most definitely. And, and it's like, what to do with that? You know, how to exist safely in a body, in a world where that body has been assigned violence. Mm-hmm yeah oh that's how I get pissed that's what makes me that's what fuels my passion and my fire is knowing the numbers knowing the statistics like knowing that Mm -hmm. one in three women have been insulted one in four men have been insulted hello somebody's got to do something about this we got to speak up right we got to start talking yep and how many trans people have been assaulted you know the numbers the rates of sexual assault within the queer and lgbtq and trans community is so high so that oh my we can't even there's so much we can't even, I know I know <laughs> I mean is me. it fair to say that like in general our community has experienced a lot of trauma oh yeah most definitely I would say 10 times over yep it, it is what's worse is if you're intersectional yes you know be I'm a I'm a black gay queer feminine body well female body but like I'm non-binary yeah person but as a female bodied individual and I look like that my curves still exist Mm -hmm. I have to deal with 
all these people coming at you got oppression coming in different directions here and when you when it's the lgbt community, community plus i would say it's even worse for us it's even worse for us and therapy is so important and it's detrimental to yes. us yeah <laughs> it's just yeah. too important for us to seek that kind of help and, and to be a community a safe community for ourselves absolutely Something you said brought me, for some reason, I'm seeing the image of a seed of self-hatred being planted within the intersections of all of these identities because, and that seed is being planted by culture. Oh, right? yeah. Most definitely. And so with the story that you told about your trip, it, it feels like, you know, you used the word, um, I don't remember which word you used exactly, but it was something along the lines of like releasing and pouring and like letting the poison out. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, um, do you, do you think we can ever really get rid of those seeds? Like, you know, you mentioned that you're a black person, that you're a non-binary person, you're a queer person. So you have many different seeds planted inside of you. Yeah. Do they impact you differently? Do you know, whatever you want to share about that. I would say being a black person impacts me more than being non-binary has because when I accepted myself, my identity as a non-binary person, that helped me love myself more and open up for myself. So F society when it came to that. Right. But I couldn't stop the colorism, you know, I couldn't stop the racism, right. I couldn't stop the prejudice, I couldn't stop the bias, you know. Um, I've been called sir and stuff in public and I've, I've been okay and you know. Yeah, nope, I nope, kind of love it when that happens. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when it's like a whole nother thing, when it's like a color thing, and it's just like, right. oh shit, here we go back to the fifties again, and we've made so much progress since then. But it does fuck with your self esteem. It had set, it had set something in me that made me feel like, oh, like of all races to be born as, you gave me this one, mm -hmm. knowing what I know. Oh my gosh, I was just like, so I would get so pissed off about it. I had a sixth grade teacher tell me that perms didn't straighten my hair when I knew damn well, relaxers relax your hair if you're, not, if you, you know, you're African-American. Right. I had to tell my mom and explain to my mom what happened with my teacher. She's like, oh, she just doesn't know. She's not educated, but this is, we're talking a sixth grader teacher, teaching young people, teaching young minds, molding young minds. Yeah. She was part of that self-deprimation, -dep you know, that mm -hmm. internal struggle I was having with myself. She didn't help with that. And I, I, I would say to this, seeing things like Black Lives Matters now and stuff like that, you know, seeing allies coming out and supporting and all that stuff that that's helped with realizing, hey, I'm a human. And when you put it back down to like the nitty gritty, we're all humans. We're yeah. a part of the same race, which is human, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm like, we just have to remind ourselves that's a problem. Society takes a toll on us. We have too much exactly right we have too much media consumption happening we, we're always looking at our phones for everything now you got smart watches you can look at it's like almost as if you're staring at a screen 24 7 and that is that's going to play a toll on your it's going to take a toll on your mind too 
so I'm, I'm looking at it like, hey, we got to disconnect sometimes so we can reconnect to ourselves, get grounded again. Yeah. yeah, it's disconnecting from those stories. You know, I only have the experience of moving through the world as a white person. And so my experience with Black narratives is from that lens, right? Mm -hmm. um, but walking through the world, carrying those stories about like what culture is telling you about what it means to be a black person what that means about your worthiness your valuableness how you can show up and contribute in society um I think it's a fucking miracle that we can sit together today and talk about these things and like reach across you know I just I could just see Martin smiling right now you know just looking at us and smile smiling like that's what I meant when I said I had a dream <laughs> you know <laughs> Like this is what this is the kind of conversations that I, I used to really enjoy going to college. You have that kind of atmosphere that you can like have those conversations with all kind of people from different walks yeah. of life, you know, different age groups even and, and demographics. So this is this is great. Yeah, this yeah. Great. And I'm remembering too, you know, it it's you brought this in so early on in talking about, um, you know, treating your body well and like how your skin glows when you put on shea butter and like mm -hmm. the care in that act, like the love in that act of treating your skin as something sacred that deserves nourishment and lotion. Yes, oh yes. How you said um, before with like taking breaths, remembering to <laughs> breathe, that's the same thing you need to do when it comes to taking care of yourself. If you're rushing to put on, you know, lotion and stuff when you get out of the shower, your skin is a living thing. You're like, yeah. it is living. You gotta take care of it. It's what kind of love are you giving yourself when you rushing out the door and just rubbing it in real quick? You have to feel your rub it in. You know, feel gently. Love yourself. Love your skin. Love on yourself. And then when you look in the mirror, you see yourself glowing all beautiful and shit because you look great from putting on the shea butter and stuff. And you're just like, I, I love myself right now. I'm loving on myself. It feels good. I want to feel like this all the time. Yes. I'm grinning because I literally <laughs> do this. I literally <laughs> massage lotion into my body after I shower. And then usually I'll spend a good fair amount of time naked in my room after that, just because Hello. I don't want to put clothes on yet. That's what's up. Just... <laughs> I feel that. But that took a long time to get to. Like even just being comfortable naked alone is a thing, right? It is a thing. It is a huge thing. Like letting yeah. my titties be free, that was hard for me. <laughs> yeah. Do you so have any hard. dysphoria around having boobs? Yes, I do. Sometimes I have issue with like, I can feel them, like how I feel this like kind of weird thing attached to me that's just like jiggling here and there sometimes. It's weird. But mm -hmm. if I have like a sports bra on, I would say like, I'm just comfortable with like walking around like that. No problem. Yeah. It's not that I want to chop them off. Sometimes I just feel like they're heavy on me. It's weird how like this. Well, they quite literally are. They're, there's <laughs> weight <laughs> on your chest. People have back problems from boobs. True, yeah. true. They're it just heavy. feels like extra, like it's this extra weight that sometimes I feel. But other times I have been like, look at these things I can play with. Uh-huh. <laughs> other than that, I'm like, eh, not. I'm not too big on it, but my girlfriend has helped with that self-image, 
like reassuring me that you are amazing you have this amazing body and stuff like you know she's mm-hmm. also been very um nice about like kind of coming back to are you okay with me touching you like or touching this That's great you know and I'm like yeah or no not today you know and with that being said it's it's okay to feel that way sometimes you just got to kind of nip it in a bud and kind of figure out what it is that's making you feel that way. For me, it's just like, why did I feel like I, I just didn't want to see my titties today? <laughs> yeah, what, what's going on with me emotionally today? Yeah. Yeah. I used to, um, so I used to work as an eating disorder therapist. And one of the, the issues, the themes that came up over and over and over working with clients and treatment centers was this idea of um, body image. We think of it as like the way our physical body looks, but body image is so much more influenced by our internal landscape and how we're feeling inside. So like, if I'm having a very good day, I don't give a fuck that I've got tits. (laughs) Who cares? Right? People can think whatever they wanna think about them. If I'm feeling particularly insecure or self-conscious, or I'm just being really hard on myself that day because I've internalized white supremacist ideals around perfectionism Mm -hmm. and performance and productivity and, you know, whatever the fuck all that madness is. And I'm being hard on myself. Then I look down at these breasts and I'm like, I need to get rid of these. These are not okay. So like the body image doesn't really have much to do with how my actual body looks. It has everything to do with how I'm feeling. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I've, I've seen it. Cause I'm like, do I want to get surgery? I've thought about it. Like, am I thinking about that? Is that where my head's going? And mm-hmm. I go, no, no, no. I feel like I was made this way. I was made in this body for a reason. And it's to love this body. If I don't love this body now, and I just keep altering it or doing stuff to it, it's not going to really help me accept me on the inside. I need to start inside before I do anything on the outside is what I yeah felt for myself now I've had friends that are trans that had they did the um chest surgery they they had the up Mm -hmm. and they felt amazing afterwards yes it was so great for them freedom what like I the smile that you see on some people's faces like after having the surgery the top surgery is just like it makes you kind of cry on the inside yeah like I cry looking at videos like that because I feel like that's them accepting themselves for the first time kind of you know like they see themselves and like that's me I'm like bitch yes you're beautiful (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. that congruence I was gonna say you know just for anyone listening who's considering hormones or who's considering surgery those are viable great amazing options if that's what you feel that you need to feel comfortable ash Mm -hmm. and i aren't saying that those aren't good options we're just exploring how we relate to those options Mm -hmm. um but yeah i've seen that too the confidence that comes with you know and i think it's a really empowering thing to be able to choose what you do with your body and just to circle back because i feel like the thread of um you know essentially consent is what we've been talking about this whole time. Oh yeah. That's a big deal. Right. Right. And like the way you're describing your relationship with your girlfriend, there's so much consent and tenderness in the way that you described how you two interact. 
And would you be willing to speak more to that? Like how just having experiences of safe consent have impacted your body image? Oh man, even with friends, that's actually been a thing where I've had yeah. someone I tell like, you know, hey, I don't like being touched. Like don't hug me without permission. Um, and they And they do it. And it really just bothered me so bad. I had to cut that person off. Because to me, that also ties in with the past assault, past, you know, molestation being violated. Yes. You know, and that's a mental thing. That's a mental attack also. So when my girlfriend and I got together initially, we were friends before anything. And I told her what I was and all that stuff. And she's like, I've never met anyone like that before. (laughs) She's like, could you explain? Could you enlighten me? And I was so grateful for her, like being just open to learning and not shaming or anything like that she asked questions and she was just really delicate about like how she went about it which made me feel even better about choosing her as a partner yeah because even to this day she's like hey if it's something that I'm saying or I do that that bothers you or that I don't know that could be you know offensive please let me know point it out let me know Mm -hmm. if that's you know not okay and I will nip it in the bud and I was like yo I love you because you on it, you're on top of it. You know, even if you don't know all the terms and stuff, you can always ask. (laughs) You can ask and, you know, when it's coming from a good place as, you know, a genuine place, you can always ask. And, and I'll be honest. And I know a lot of people who are, you know, non-binary as well, who would just love for you to ask instead of assuming and just, you know what I mean? So, yeah. To me, I thought that was that was the most important thing was knowing that I had that with her. I could have that safe space and that she understood that consent was a huge deal with me, but I gave her kind of like a free go for her alone. She's the one person that could like do whatever to me. Like she can smack my butt in public and I'll be cool with it because I trust her so much and I'm so comfortable with her, yeah. which makes me so happy because I have not been this comfortable ever with anybody, ever to like just let them play around <laughs> so yeah it's a big deal for me the trust and the freedom that's built when you feel safe holy shit holy yeah. shit yeah and there's <laughs> nothing like yeah <laughs> holy shit balls <laughs> right holy shit balls batman and there's nothing like that experience <laughs> I feel like for me, there's nothing like the sense of empowerment. You know, there's, there's so much healing work we can do by ourselves, right? We can do our self work. We can do our inner work. And there's some work that we can only do in relationship. Mm -hmm. And that work is around, you know, how we express our boundaries, how we stick up for our boundaries, how we invite, how we let our boundaries down and let those walls down when we establish like, oh, this is a safe person. Um, and it's just beautiful to hear that you're experiencing this. It's amazing. Oh yeah, thank you. I I, I gotta say, man, like, whoo, the day pool before her, man, they had me questioning whether or not I wanted to be like asexual <laughs> and just like go about that for the rest of my life because I was starting to have doubt in humans. But getting with yeah. someone who can, you know, genuinely just connect with you and want to get to know you and just respects you that much that they don't want to ever offend you that's so powerful and such a great 
it's a great level up for me. It's a great glow up relationship wise. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just I pray everyone and you deserve gets that. that. We all deserve that. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, everyone deserves that kind of genuine love where you could grow together. Oh, and just keep mm-hmm. feeling it. Just feel nothing but love the whole time. And even if we have any like disputes, we come back to it with like an open heart and mind. And we like, oh my gosh, the love is just so good. <laughs> Wow. You mean you can like press pause if you're, if you're like in a triggered state and be like, we'll come back to this and then come back in an open place. Yes, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) That's the work. That's that group we're talking about. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh my God. Okay. Um, let me pull up. We've just been going organically, um, but I'm going to pull up my list of questions to see if there's anything on here that, um... okay, so you've said that you're non-binary. Um, your pronouns are they, them. Yeah? yeah? Yeah. Okay. How has, how old were you when you shifted to they, them pronouns? And how has coming out as non-binary influenced your body image? How old was I? Um, it was 2016 when I officially switched over to they, them pronouns. So let okay. me do some math in my head or on my phone real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my strong suit. I know, I'm really, I'm really bad at math. It's fine. So, I'm also really bad at remembering how old I was in memories. Right? I'm like, yo, that wasn't that far ago. So it was five years ago. We're going to say I was 23 when I first started okay. using... Um, they, them pronouns. And that was when, I think that's when it started kind of coming to the forefront and everybody was starting to get more knowledge about that stuff. And before that, I didn't have a word for what I was. I would just say androgynous or um, in the middle is what I would say. Oh, I would tell people like, oh, I'm like, I got a lot of masculine energy, but also feminine energies. And I try not to like smother either one I try to let them like just do their thing and so like I'm kind of here I don't want to you know be here or here I've always felt here just always felt here it's the weirdest thing yeah so I remember being four years old and waking up from a nap and I had this like vivid dream and I I would never forget this dream in this dream I was born a boy and I was able to do all these things and like nobody judged me. I was playing happy and stuff with the things I wanted to do. And I woke up and I was like, I know I didn't want to be a boy. I just like the freedom of being able to do what I want right. to do without the gender expectations. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so I, I woke up from that dream at four and I ran and I told my mom, I said, mom, why didn't God make me a boy? And she, when I tell you the look in her eyes was like, what the hell is my child? <laughs> What's going on? Like, she's like, why would you ask me that? Like, he made you the way you are. He made you perfectly the way you are. Like, you know, that's what she said. Mm-hmm. But I could never like really like tell her because I didn't understand at the time when I was four, like why I was feeling that way. Why I, like that came to me, you know? And I was so mm-hmm. young, but you know, it was years later when I was just like struggling with identity within the LGBT community. I had came out like yeah, my senior year of high school to my friends. So my friends knew mostly and anybody who was like cool and close with me. 
then I transitioned from there to into the LGBT community being, you know, out the closet, mm-hmm. you go into parades mm-hmm. and stuff and you go into- Were you in Texas at this time? I was in Texas right after graduating high school from California. So I okay. didn't get a chance to go to LA Pride right after, you know, okay. high school. I went to Texas and then I came, I was out in that community first. Okay. And went to those prides and like those small, like the small gay bars and stuff coming out of out there was like, it's, it's completely different. Like I said, they have more binary like standards mm-hmm. when it comes to relationships in the LGBT community. And it kind of made me feel stuck. It kind of made it feel hard for me to navigate within the dating pool because I was like expected to do things like as if I was like supposed to be the man in the relationship or something, you know? Like these heterosexual right. norms that we have put on ourselves. How did how the hell did that happen? How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> we were like trying to get out of boxes and putting ourselves in more boxes. Like what the hell, bro? Like what are real? we doing? <laughs> like <laughs> it just boggled me. Like it just baffled me that people were talking about stud for stud, like how that's gross, that's too gay. What? What? Makes what does no that sense. Mean? Right, so I'm like, so if I dressed more masculine presenting, but I wanted to date someone who looked more masculine presenting, that would be gross for you? Like, we're already dealing with backlash from our own families, our own churches, our own like people. We don't need to do that to each other. So yeah, I can relate. I um, came out in the Seattle queer scene. That's where I was living. And I didn't come out um, until I was 27 years old. So it was much later in life for me. And, you know, I came out first as just a queer person was still identifying as a cis het or not het, um, but cis woman hadn't explored gender identity at all. And then the first person I dated that was non-binary is actually the person that opened me up to this even being an option because I felt so like weird trying to fit into these gender roles that just didn't make any fucking sense to me. Like I ask any cis man I've ever dated if I'm a woman. <laughs> like, no, this bitch does not communicate in a feminine way. Straight up feel you on that one. I definitely feel you on that one. Broke a couple yeah. hearts. <laughs> right. And then also being accused of um, you know, emasculating men. Mm-hmm. just by my nature and I'm like I I'm not it's not possible for me to emasculate you if you right. feel emasculated that's something that's going on inside of you and I don't know how to help you with that but it's not by making myself smaller that's right that's right <laughs> speak your truth bro speak your truth tell them to check and then themselves with dating um you know within the queer community and dating assigned female at birth people, then I found myself really struggling between these like butch femme dynamics and identities and feeling very um, isolated and shamed even for being fluid and being queer and not fitting into any specific box. Um, and it, it made it really difficult, but dating that first non-binary person, holy shit, I will always hold them in my heart. I love them so much. They opened me up to that and I'm so grateful. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So like, let's take ourselves out of these boxes. And I really, I really feel, and I'd interested to hear what you think about this, Ash, but 
I think this happens within our community um, and with other within other marginalized communities because we're stuck in in some ways we're stuck in the cycle of abuse together. So mm -hmm. like we have been abused by culture as queer trans people. You've been abused in this culture as a Black person. Mm -hmm. It's very normal within the cycle of abuse for the person who is victimized to then turn around and become a perpetrator mm -hmm. and to enact that same harm and that same violence. It's like a passing of pain oh, that happens. Yes. Like the pain body needs to be shared. Exactly. And so I, I have so much compassion for all of us in that because we're we're just trying to get out of this cycle. And I think how we started this conversation, you know, with that mushroom trip and finding that seed of light, that rainbow river, that love, like that's how we get out. That is how we get out and confronting things as well. Cause I, I have the opportunity. I don't know if like, not a lot of people have had this but I had the opportunity to, to confront my molester years later when I was 19, wow. I actually almost tried to run, run him over my car because what happened was I didn't know he was there. I was dropping off my favorite cousin who happened to be his sister. And I just remember seeing him in the street. And when I tell you all I, all I remember is like red, just red took over. All I remember Rage. was just this, this person telling me that no one's gonna believe me and stuff. And just all it, next thing you know, my foot's on the gas pedal and I'm going really fast. But luckily he jumped out in time and we did have a conversation that night because of that, because he knew like I was feeling some type of way. And mm -hmm. I confronted him and I was like, you hurt me. I trusted you. I looked up to you as a brother. How could you hurt me like this? And he told me, I don't really remember anything before 14, which is the time with the age that he did that to me. Okay. And he said, well, I was molested by my babysis my babysitter. And that's what he, that's all he can really give me. He's like, I, if I hurt you, I apologize. If I did anything to hurt, I apologize for that. But I don't remember anything past 14, which was not really denying nor accepting it fully. Right. But I took what I could in that moment and I heard what he said. And what I also heard was trauma from him mm -hmm. and hurt from him that he had not really dug into or healed within himself. And so he mm -hmm. did exactly what we do to each other in society. And that's just hurt other people, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. That's what I knew from then. I'm cutting off that cycle. I'm not gonna hurt anybody like they, like I've been hurt. Why would I ever want that to happen to anyone else? Right. Why would you want another human being to experience this kind of pain when you could just spread more love, experience mm -hmm. more love and compassion? Mm -hmm. It's very important to heal that. Yeah, pain breeds pain. It does, but I also wanna just, for the record and on for a strong note, don't ever try and hit someone with your car. <laughs> I was young, I was 19. <laughs> You know, and it's okay. I just really it's okay. I just your body took over. You were in a fight response. That's oh, what yes. that was, you know? Yeah. The the know. rage and the revenge can come in. And um I wonder too just how much like unprocessed rage and anger impacts our body image. Because if we're feeling rage and anger towards others, 
inevitably we're directing it towards ourselves. Oh yeah. Like you say, it's swallowing the poison. And subconsciously, I feel like I've done stuff to sabotage my own body without really knowing so on a conscious level, like smoking right. cigarettes, you know? Smoking cigarettes, knowing that each each one I put in my mouth is taking away five minutes of my life down the road. Oh, I'm still doing that. <laughs> Dude, okay, I, I feel you. I can't even judge because I recently bought a pack. It's been freaking six years, six years. Wow. I broke down because all the dispensaries were closed and I bought a pack of light uh, American spirits. Yep. And when I tell you smoking the first one was like gross. It was so gross. It's because you took so much time away. Exactly. I, I should have never picked it back up. I should have found a melatonin and just called it a night. But mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep. And I was like, I don't have any weed to smoke. And what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to give a cigarette. Never mm -hmm. again. The pack's yeah. gone. But, you know, so much like grace and self-compassion and that, you know, just we can talk all day long about spreading love and light, but the reality is that there's still going to be experiences of pain and suffering in life. And it's, it's just human to want mm -hmm. to escape it. It's just human to want to reach for something to help lessen it. It's like, how can we, how can we do that in ways that the least self-destructive oh. and the least destructive to others? And I think that goes back to like, what makes you happy? Like for me, it's painting. I paint yeah. with music. Yeah, you know, like when you were talking about walking around naked, like I have like my little, um, my artist cloth thing I put on, you uh -huh. know, and then I start painting naked. I just paint naked and sip on my tea, listen to my music and feel, <laughs> feel real good with the sun coming in, you know? Yes. It's all amazing. kinds of Yeah, things. joy. Joy, yes. Whatever you find joy in, you should probably invest in doing more often. For me, mm -hmm. it's painting it's producing music, it's working on little skits and stuff and watching really good shows, yes. dissecting things. I like to critique shows, I'm a, I'm a critique. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so like, I feel like people should do that more often and try and get out in nature to reconnect with nature. It's really important because we're always go, go, go. Everything's cemented, electronic. We're all made of minerals. I don't know if you know that, but we're made mm -hmm. of minerals which means mm -hmm. we're connected to the earth somehow. We're made up of the same stuff. We're not different than the dirt, than mm -hmm. the chickens, than the trees, than the exactly. sky. I go for hikes and it just like, it really does recenter me. I come back down from the mountain and I'm like, I forgot what it's like to disconnect and then come back into the world and you feel refreshed. Yeah. It's yeah. really important recharge yeah. your batteries bro yeah yeah focusing in on what brings you pleasure mm -hmm. like what makes you feel good mm -hmm. what um gives you like feel alive yeah you know um those things are so important and it, it is the antidote because trauma work i think a lot of folks think that recovering from eating disorders and body image stuff is and trauma is just diving into the pain all the time and like we started this conversation, yes, you got to get in the muck and you got to like be with the shadow and yep. pulling in the goodness and the pleasure and the juiciness of life is as important, if not more important, because yep. if you don't have any like solid foundation of joy to balance out the shitty, 
<laughs> you're yep. gonna get stuck there air claps and snaps because yeah. that is so true that is so true mm-hmm. yeah this project for me is part of my joy like i get so much joy in having these conversations with people i can tell dude like you know it's a great conversation to be had you know and i, I your, your smile and stuff just lighting yeah. up the room and stuff you I love it. I love to see it. Oh, um, thanks. Oh, there goes my alarm telling me um, eating is not optional. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's that how funny. I remember to eat every day. My phone yells at me. That is funny. Do you want to yeah. You want to take the snack break? Um, no, it's okay. I, I will delay it for the 30 minutes. It's okay. I, it's I like snacks. if I eat within the hour, then it's fine. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. But it's just the like, hey, poke, 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 poke. Don't forget. Kind of, <laughs> don't forget about me. Um, okay. Let's see. We have talked about so much good stuff. Where do I, well, is there anything else that's coming up for you? Like any directions that you want to go that we haven't touched upon yet? Anything else coming up for me? Well, well, I act, um, I don't know mm. if that's something you knew but I'm actually, no. um, and I have two agents, one's for film and TV, the other one's for commercial and a manager now. Now that, I, that's wow. a big deal to me because it took a minute to get to that, to that level right there. I haven't officially booked anything new yet with the, uh, the agent, uh, the film commercial agent, but I just got signed to them, but I have been receiving like, you know, auditions and stuff. And what, what really like just motivates me and gets me like so excited and pumped up is seeing more representation, more representation that's coming out into like these, these TV shows and um, just like films and stuff and being, yeah. and they're actually, you know, just so you know, when they're auditioning people, they're actually getting people who are of the community now. That makes me so happy. When I see wow, other so are people, you getting auditions for non-binary roles? Yes, I had, yeah, I Whoa. actually- I actually did book one um, in 2019 for a commercial. I did it for a cell phone company. And at that audition before, you know, obviously COVID, so you can be in the same room with people, yeah. <laughs> people. There were so many people who were non-binary in the room and it made me so freaking happy. We were all just like smiling and just like, what's your Instagram? What's your Instagram? <laughs> like, wow. yes, what? when I tell you, it wasn't like a spirit of competition anywhere in anyone's body. It was just like a spirit of community in a sense of like your family's here. It was so dope. Yes, lifting each other up. And because of that, my energy was just so pumped and ready and on point when I went in. I did my thing and I just, I nailed it. I nailed that audition. You got it. You got it. Thanks. Amazing. And are you still writing poetry? Or are you, because that's how I met you was through your poetry work yeah that was um yeah I do write I do write but the problem is how I write is just like I go here and I don't know how to take my thoughts to the next part like you know I need to structure and uh -huh. outline my thoughts better but I do comedy writing mostly and um I've been getting back into that and trying to figure out if I should write out possibly a book based off of my experiences like just coming out, having a Christian yeah. family, you know, um, my grandfather's a pastor. I grew up in like this, uh, this Christian household where if you even talk about, you know, 
loving the same sex and stuff like that. That is, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is not for the family to hear at the table that you always had that uncle that you knew was, you know yep. what I mean? But no one said anything. You just keep, don't ask, don't tell kind of situation. So I was thinking about writing that out, my experiences more. So not only would it be healing for me, but also possibly healing for someone else who might read it and be like, hey, like I, I see myself in this and I, I can get through this, whatever it is, you know, they're going through. Yeah. Wow. I would love to read that. I'm forming such a deep new appreciation of comedic writing because mm-hmm. it's a, you know, I don't do comedic writing. I do fucking <laughs> intense writing. I'm you like, do. <laughs> you do. I'm like, I love it. Here's the pain. <laughs> but also here's a hopeful message. But I have such a like, admiration for comedy because it's a way of being able to talk about these really painful things in a way that doesn't bring the energy down um that it it like creates an opening most definitely that is actually Mm -hmm. my starting point for um therapeutic uh, therapy actually of self-healing was comedy at 13 my mom was working at a radio station and um she had gotten word about this comedy camp for teenagers that was happening at the Laugh Factory out here. And she's like, you're goofy. You should go audition for that. I'm like, uh, but I like my Saturdays. I want to sleep in kind of, you know, she's like, well, there's going to be free food. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. (laughs) I love food. And um, I went and I did it five. It had to be five minutes that you had to do. That was your audition and your set. I did the five minutes. My mom helped me write it out. And when the room laughed with me, not at me, but with me, it made me feel so good. Then I started mm. using the stage as like a therapeutic way of getting some, some stuff out. Laugh at my pain is like a really thing. You know, it's a big thing in the comedy because it's part truce, exaggerated yeah. truce. And um, yeah, so that was part of my healing process. Something that I really started growing into myself and like seeing that that made me happy and it started building confidence slowly building confidence in myself um yeah so like that's where my journey is I'm actually like a multi-dimensional person I would say I'm a multi-dimensional being who just like has all these assets that I I'm here I'm ready to use and I'm all over the place with it so acting writing I do that and um I also do art too I you know the paint and stuff and ceramics and things like that but yeah. I do like writing. I do like acting and creating stories. I want to be be able to like one day produce a dope ass film with like just everybody being represented in it. It's going to be so amazing, you know, something that's just going to blow the world away and just like bring yeah. the world back together. <laughs> yeah, you're community healer. Thank you. I would like to, I will, I like that. I like that title. I will use that. Community <laughs> healer. Yeah. 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 And the ways in which you've like talked about the ways in which community has both been helpful and painful when, you know, it's in that safe, loving, consensual space or when it's in that judgmental, binary thinking, wanting to box you in space. I mean, it impacts so much. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just realized how beautiful it is when we are all on one accord. I noticed how, Mm -hmm. you know, during tragedy, people come together the most and, I think that the biggest tragedy in our community is the fact that we have been so hard on ourselves and each other that we forgot just how powerful it is when we come together, you know, Yeah. and fight for each other. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I just started playing um, Nerd Alert. I just started playing a regular <laughs> game of Dungeons and Dragons with my high school musical that is theater cool. show choir geek friends. <laughs> <laughs> musical theater, me too. A hey, what's up? Despians. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I was in. A, I was Rumple Teaser in a production of Cats. It's fine. That's what's up. <laughs> But, but coming together and um, playing Dungeons and Dragons with my theater friends is just like so healing because it really is that spirit of camaraderie and helping each other out mm-hmm. in the game and um, just being present with because like Dungeons and Dragons is fucking traumatic. Like, <laughs> I've, I've been like hearing stories about it. I've been hearing stories. <laughs> it's like violent. It's very graphic. My character is a half moon druid, half elf, who's a shapeshifter that they can shape into whatever animal they've ever seen, and they can shift between genders and like be any gender they want. That is so sick. Moment, I know. (laughs) Why can't I do that in real life? Wait, I can because I do because that's who I am. (laughs) Own it. (laughs) Yeah, but having um, coming together in this like fantasy world and helping each other out feels so good. So like if we can build it in fantasy, if you can build it through your writing and writing film and you can make it in your paintings and we can create it together through this conversation and putting this podcast out there, like it can happen. We're doing it. It can definitely happen. Most definitely. Oh, I want to show you something actually since you mentioned painting. I'm so excited. excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a painting I did and it was out of nowhere. I hadn't painted in a while, but I did this as an opportunity, my, we were house sitting for my girlfriend's friend. And this is my painting of the, this is childhood me. Wow. The trauma monster <gasps> trying to engulf me. Oh. That's, that, that was the most healing thing I've ever and made in my life. And you're just skipping rope and you're like floating in the air. You're just right? in, in, in taste in yellow. Wow. I would love if you would send me a photo of that to include as part of the art for this podcast. Oh, most definitely. I have a photo. I can, I can send it to you or take a better one. Okay, cool. Well, that's a really great segue into um, the final question I want to ask you today, Ash, which is if you could interact with six-year-old you and give them any gift in the world. And it doesn't have to be like a concrete physical, you know, hold in your hands kind of gift. It can be like a quality, like courage or whatever. Um, What gift would you give little you? The gift I would give me, little me, I I would give me the gift of speaking my truth, speaking up for myself and never limiting or quieting my voice, never making myself small for anybody again. Because yeah. I've, I've noticed that um, from past trauma, from that childhood trauma, from someone older telling you, no one's going to believe you, you know, when mm-hmm. you know they did something bad to you, that carried on. And so it made it harder to set that authority in certain situations and stuff. So I would tell my younger self, speak your truth and know who you are. Yes. That's what I was Know who you are. Speak your truth. Um, little me is taking that gift in as well because I also needed that gift and continue to need that gift. Well, you're very welcome, little Nika. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Yeah. How are you feeling at the end of this conversation? Well, you know what? I feel really great because it's not every day you get to have these kind of conversations, you know, or that you have people who are, who understand, or, you know, are coming from the same viewpoint and, you know, in certain aspects, we're both non-binary. And so someone speaking to someone who identifies, like, I haven't had to correct you not one fucking time throughout this interview about pronouns. <laughs> whoop, whoop. And it's yeah. been dope. It's been fucking dope and refreshing. Um, I recently had to tell my boss my pronouns. I thought he already knew because I could have sworn I mm-hmm. introduced myself that way. But once they forget, I'm like, I can't keep telling them, you know? It's exhausting. exhausting. That kind of ties to that gift that you gave little you though, which is that speaking up of, and I have started to be like very intentional in picking and choosing when I correct people and when I don't, because it just has entirely to do with the context and my energy reserves on that day. So true. Um, One second. Yeah. Okay. (sighs) You're good. You're good. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to offer you, this is kind of on the spot. So if you don't have anything, don't worry about it. But if you have any poetry, uh, you know, one or two poems that you can think of off the top of your head that feel relevant to what we've been talking about today with body and healing from assault and, you know, owning yourself as a non-binary person, speaking your truth, I'd love to hear. Oh, I think I, that's interesting that you said that because I, did have something I hope I still have it yeah just peek <laughs> I'm trying, like I'm really I'm hoping I still got it um and if it's not there um that's okay I can share one well it, it's a long ass one actually now I'm looking at it I wrote something out about that teacher I told you about actually if you don't yeah. mind I can I love it yeah it? yeah all right <clears throat> so I wrote this up When I was in sixth grade, going to school in Thousand Oaks, California, I had this white teacher named Mrs. Abrams. I didn't realize it then, but I know now for sure that that bitch was racist as fuck. One day we all had to turn in $3.50 payment for our Mother's Day silhouette portrait gifts. No one in class seemed to remember or had all their money that day. So Mrs. Abrams was peeved, recognizing that she had to come out of pocket for our class expense. She started ranting about how ungrateful we were all um, are and about our stuff. I really just wanted to ease the tension in the room and let her know I was serious about my mom's gift because my mother worked a lot, then waiting tables and doing odd gigs here and there. My stepfather was doing labor work to help pay for the Motel 6 we were living in. My family was barely, getting by week to week. So when the teacher raised her voice and asked, does anyone not care about their mother? (sighs) Sorry. (sighs) I raised my hand immediately because I knew I loved my mama. I would have done anything to give her the best Mother's Day gift. Mrs. Abrams neck snapped around at me so hard. You think that she popped a muscle. She was like, Yes, Ashley, what is it? I put my right hand in my pocket and I pulled out all the change I had collected that week. 11 cents, exactly one penny and a dime. I then presented her the money from my pocket and said, I don't have much, but I want to give you this for my mom's gift. See now, 
I thought that by giving my last, it would be a grand gesture of love and respect for my birth giver. But no, Mrs. Abrams looking at my, looking like a, a bat straight out of hell, narrowed her scaly eyes at me and said, is that how much your mother is worth to you? 11 cents? I remember tears welling up in my eyes from the sheer embarrassment and humiliation. In my head, I was thinking, I can't let this evil suburban white bitch see me cry. Then she'll know she got to me. I just uttered back in her, to her response, it's all I have. And her response was, well, it's not enough. To my 12 year old ears, it was interpreted as you're not enough. It literally took other kids in my class coming up to me afterwards and telling me that what she did and said was not okay. And for me to realize that I had did nothing wrong. Sitting here now as a 27 year old, I write this wondering, why can't my brain accept the fact that I am good enough? It's mm. not like now after all that conditioning, I have to like. I mean, I said, it's, it's like now after all that conditioning, I have to reprogram my mind. And that's all I wrote. Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for being willing to read that and for feeling, you know, whatever is coming up for you as you read it. That's such a gift. That's so precious. Um, I'm holding that story with you. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, it's weird how, like, when you read the words that were said to you, it resurfaces as a memory back in your brain right then in that second. So, like, I felt my yes. voice, like, crack a little. And yes. I was like, oh, shit, you know, like, damn, that still, that still kind of hurts a little. It stings a little, but. Yeah. At least I can speak my truth, you know. That's right. I'm going to fuck up the quote, so I'm not even going to try it. But um, <laughs> Audrey, Audrey Lord says something along the lines of, um, you know, it doesn't matter how much your voice shakes or how scared you are when you say it. It only matters that you say it. Yeah. And that felt like that 12 year old being given a voice just now. Um, and there is so much power. There's such a difference. Like the first process with writing is like purging it and getting it on the page, but mm -hmm. it is an entirely different thing to speak it aloud. Yeah. So Most you did definitely. it. Thank you. All right. Ooh, we got through that one. <laughs> shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. <laughs> you know, what's interesting. I let my mom read that. She's the only other person that's read that. And she said, yeah. I did not know how much that affected you. I really wish you would have told me that it affected you that much. Like I had no idea. Cause mm -hmm. that's the same teacher that, you know, told me that perms don't that's straighten perm. your hair. Yeah. Funny thing is, ironic thing is I was given Madam CJ Walker as my damn women in histories person. So yep. you would think she would know if she actually knew who Madam CJ Walker was. Right, and how she sold her hair cream. And, right, Yeah. like of all people, you gave me that. And how would you not know? Okay, that's why I was that's like, ridiculous. okay. <laughs> yeah, um, well, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting with that. I'm taking it in, I'm holding it with you. I feel grateful, uh, all of those things. And, um, if there's anything that I can give you as a gift in return for that gift of speaking truth, it is um, 
just that like that continued blossoming of that seed of self-love that has now been planted in your heart you know that poem was purging the self-hate now we got that that self-love so i'm just gonna send some rays of sunshine and some rain Thank and you. I'm all the things it. you need to bloom i'm accepting <laughs> it i'm accepting it photosynthesis all the things all yes. the things Today, you have listened to Ash and I have a discussion about body image as non-binary people and how those, um, how body image intersects with assault and consent and race and boundaries and art and joy and plants and all of the things. Um, so this has been wonderful. And if you want to find more of Ash's work, if you want to see any of their film work, any of their poetry, any of their art, where can they find you, Ash? Well, you can find me on Instagram under Ash Kennan. And I also have TikTok videos. I have a TikTok whoop, 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 under That's Ash Almighty. So kind of like Bruce Almighty. So I, I went with Ash Almighty because I love that movie. It's wonderful. Okay, find you on TikTok under Ash Almighty, on Instagram, <laughs> Ash Kennan. And um yeah, that's it for today. I would like to thank Ash for showing up today. And I would also like to thank the land and the people that are the stewards and, um, and of the native Hawaiian kingdom and Queen Liliuokalani and um, Mahalo for providing the magic that we needed today. Hey, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, I have never heard anyone say that. And you're a white person. So that made me feel really good on inside. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Land acknowledgement is important. And it's the smallest, tiniest thing that we can do as people is to just fucking acknowledge mm -hmm. the history upon, of the land upon which we reside. You know, this is a stolen place and it's not okay. So I'm that here as so a guest. True. You are woke. You are woke. <laughs> doing my best and I'm gonna fuck up sometimes too and that's okay you know it's just like learn correct take accountability move on that's it that's it yep yep all right well thank you so much I'm gonna press stop Thanks for tuning in to the fourth interview episode of the Non-Binary Body Image Project with me, your host, Nika slash Nico Salvaggio, they, them, and our guest today, Ash Kennan, they, them. This was a beautiful conversation that I am not soon to forget. I hope that hearing Ash's story impacted you in a positive way in the way that it impacted me. Till next time.